You got to so. own the Bobo. Own the fucking Bobo. Don't try to right. apologize for it. It's, you know, just own I, it. I, 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 and I am. Your wife is I, in real estate. You well, are a Bobo, the man. There's the thing is that I feel like my wife is way more the, like, if, if we could divide, and this is the problem with America right now. Is if, we we take, divide the if we can divide the Bobo-ness. If we can divide the Bobos, let's keep, let's, keep, <laughs> let's keep separating the groups so none of us like each other. So nobody, So it's all just individuals hating other individuals. We're so broken up. But I think, you know, she, we got into a thing the other day about something so fucking asinine and stupid, I couldn't even remember the details around it. But it was basically like, she was calling me out for not being, um, eh, let's just shorten, it, shorten this up, for not being woke enough, I, I guess. It was stupid. It was over lunch on a work, it was fucking dumb. I'm Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. Don and David get a little saucy, so be forewarned, your sensitivity is not their problem. The Literate Apecast is for people who can handle both their liquor and their gag reflex. Super duper sensitive. He was not an emo kid because he he's aged before that. But yeah. like, you know, he was um, he was a cure kid. You know, like it, he was more cure than yeah. Emo. I mean, so, he was yeah yeah pre emo. Um, um, just a really sensitive kid, a writer, a poet. He felt he was pro. He's a good fucking writer. He's a, a really great good writer, writer too. He's yeah, a yeah. Fucking brilliant, brilliant writer. Um, but he, all, all of, all of his, his sensitivity, all of his, his, uh, uh, progressive liberalism, feminism, it started to fade away in like the early tens. I think it was because when he was shopping his, not one of his, his novel, um, his rejection, his rejection letters were, and everybody gets rejection letters. That's part of the process. We all know that, right? Like you got a lot of, rege- a lot of no's before you hear the first yes, you know, that's the gig. Yeah. Um, but his rejection letters were very specific about we want a we want diverse voices we want female voices we want younger voice you know and he's a white male in his forties yeah and that's hard to hear that specific feedback it was not about the quality of his work it was not about his ability as a writer it was about the shit he cannot control because that's what his mother shed out when he was born. Well, you know, and it was interesting because we've talked about Brandon Bruce. Brandon, wow, good lord! Did you hear um, that? <laughs> I did hear that. Um, everyone heard that. No, but uh, Brandon, Brandon Bruce, and I think we talked a little bit about this. What's such a great guy, but he's had an, a, a kind of a rough road, and he and I were talking about it. Uh, he came into town, and we were talking about it, and he's gone through like nine or ten where he's been the finalist for a, a teaching job at a university. Mm-hmm. And each time, it's basically, uh, you're a white guy. You're a white straight guy. And, and, and we're looking for something more diverse. And, and so he's now in Utah, where there's only white people. I mean, there are no black people in Utah. So, like right. six. You know, it's like my high school. And so, uh, the whole state. And so now he's, but he was talking about that. And you can see he was frustrated about it. And it was interesting, because I feel the same thing as a 55-year-old white straight male. But 
and and I've and I've said that before to Dana, where it's like, yeah, no, I, I, you know, they they may not hire me for this thing because, well, I'm white. I'm an old, I'm an old white guy, and she's like, oh, that's you're just put no and no. I, I said, you don't understand. I'm not begrudging that. I'm not going, yeah. oh, woe is me, because I actually do believe, yeah, maybe it's high time for us to kind of balance the scales a little bit. Well, because you know? for how many how many and decades have, exactly, have people decades, of color. Like women of color, century. women in general, been yeah. like, oh, Have, you know, not, so, not so looking the for. thing of it, but the just acknowledging it, the acknowledging it, that's the thing is you get a choice, you can acknowledge the fact that basically you're being discriminated against because of who you are, and you can say, fuck it, I'm so angry about it, or you can go, all right, well, there is a reason for it, and I ultimately support that reason, so I got to be okay with it. And I don't like it. It's not like I'm joy. It's not like I go, "Hey, let's crack a you know bottle of Cooks and yeah. get yeah. all crazy." <laughs> but but it's it's you know it's, the reality is it's like okay that's I get it. I well, totally understand it. It doesn't bother me. You do what the what white people did to the marginalized people. You know we marginalized them. So you do what the marginalized people of your did before. Yeah, they the thing find is, their I own didn't way. Mar- find their I own didn't way marginal- marginalize no, you didn't anybody. It, but I'm but also but I'm also aware enough of history and I'm aware enough of the social strata and the power yeah. dynamic that's gone gone that I'm like, you know what? I, I'm okay with that. I don't like well, it, but I'm okay with it. Yeah. And I, I think I, don't, I, I understand. Know, I, don't I understand why he's upset because that's hard to hear because you can't control that. It's not like he can go back and edit the book and make it better. He can't improve. They're not even giving him any, and they normally don't give you notes. It, but it has nothing to do with the quality of the book. It's about it's about leveling yeah. the playing field a little bit. And, I, and, and and while it's not fun to be on that end of it. This is the age we're in, and that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing, and I'm that's totally okay with it. And you just in find fact, it's only you do, a good thing. You do if you can't get your shit published through the the traditional routes. You do what Tyler Perry did, and you make your own fucking. You self publish. Yeah, you do, do your, your own shit. shit, and that's what what, pe- what the marginalized people have been doing for decades. Henry Rollins. Hen- Henry Rollins is a straight Rollins. white man. Yeah. He just pub- he just created yeah. his own publishing house. You know. Yeah. Fuck it. Um, what's unfortunate is that I think, and I was listening to a. Uh, uh, I was listening to NPR. I can't remember. I think it was um, the, uh, Reset was was the show. Um, but she was talking. The host was talking to these two black men that have been their their party their event promoters, and they've started sure. this thing where they're like they've created this thing to help connect the black community. Like there are things happening in the black com- in the arts community, the, the the black arts community that we need to tell you about, and it's like the specific thing to help spread the word in that community and get it out and build culture and build community around that, which is, which is great. Not for, sure. I, I'm, I'm sh- I mean, I would love to go to some of that shit, but like it's, they're not, I'm not their target audience and that's fine, but fucking right on. Good. Yeah. Good for them. Great. Do what you got to do, man. Yeah. But one of the things they said is that they have trouble promoting um, some of their, their events because uh, venues will be like, Oh, like if they, if they get a whiff that it's a, black promoter or a black event and I'm using scare quotes you know a black promoter oh, black yeah, yeah, event yeah. That, and you've probably seen this in your days as an event producer um, mm. you know oh that date's not available or they, they jack up the, the liquor limit you know or the bar limit whatever it is um, and do all these things to work to get them out or they say you know you don't this kind of this kind of event doesn't fit our brand or doesn't fit our, our mission or all that shit. They they talk well, in code. I mean, they talk well, in code. No, well, then the thing Nobody's is, talking then in code when they tell that to this, a white man, which is well. Which the is, thing is, I get the, it. No, I, but it's unfortunate. I disagree. It would be I don't easier think, to I don't, swallow. The maybe. code. 
the code you're talking about, and this is having spent you know 30 years in events, the code you're talking about, for the most part, I'm, I'm, there's no question in my mind that once in a while you're going to get somebody that's talking in the you're not white enough code. Yeah. But the code most of these venue promoters are talking about, most of these venue owners are talking about is, is the code of money. And the reality is, I mean, it's a simple fact of the matter, is that there are far, far more white people that are willing to spend money on art and concerts and things like that than there are black people. I mean, that's just. I mean, that's just simply numbers in the country now. If you're doing something in Chicago, you're going to have a pretty robust uh, black community that's going to support some things. But I, from my experience, they are generally Chicago not. Chicago has a good. very strong but, black yeah, arts community, but they're generally not going to pay. They're not going to pay a lot of money because partly because they're they're more poverty stricken class, but also my experience with like hip hop crowds, it's uh it's why the Palms here in Vegas mm-hmm. really blew it with their uh I mean they, they spent millions and I mean hundreds of millions of dollars to promote basically what was a hip hop club. But what they didn't understand was that no one that that is a real fan of hip hop is gonna pay sixty bucks to get in. Yeah. They're just not gonna that's not how it works, and and if you understand sort of that, sort of the hip hop aesthetic, and, and and I say this as a white man who had to learn in Chicago yeah. about sort of the hip hop aesthetic, that that's just not how it works. And so, from a venue promoter or from a venue owner standpoint, they're looking at it as you're either gonna because most event promoters are saying, hey. Is there any way we can give you a down payment and then you take a cut of the door? Well, when, right. as soon as you get in a cut of the door, you better bring the fu- fucking bodies in. And if it's an all black sort of, or if, if, if that's the that's sort of the thing, mm-hmm. you have a really limited audience for that. And if you yeah. have a limited audience, then so it's, the code I think most of them are talking about is cash. And if you can't present cash, if you can't present the bodies that are going to pay that percentage then no you can pay a straight up fee or the dates filled well, and, just, and, and, and and so i don't think i don't think it's all about the race i think a lot of it just has to do with the green sure but I, there's the idea of marginalization being pushed to the margins is and and this this white male friend of ours who you know was once a super sensitive way too sensitive he used to tell me you know i'm People like you and I, David, we're too sensitive for this world. We're aliens, and I don't think he would say that now. He might well, now say, he'd about say me. he would say that about now. Me. Now he would say that he's an alien because, and that's because, the thing is, yes. is he would say because, because the he's there's been the switch. And the thing about it is, and I the, I've always felt this about me, and and I think most quite frank, frank, frank the, you know the the David Brooks article we've been talking about mm-hmm. that we'll talk about here in a little bit talks a little bit about the creative class and the creative class to be a part of the creative class is always to feel like you're kind of an alien in the world. You don't really fit in. Most people that I know that are a part of the artist, uh, the artist class do not, not just like they intentionally do not fit in. They just don't really see the world the way most people do. And so they don't really, they don't really fit into a a comfortable category of society. I don't, you know, the thing about it is that's fine. That doesn't have to mean, and that's the thing. Again, it goes to, you can either be bitter about it or you can go, this is the way it is. And I I accept it. It's okay. And I'm going to deal with it. And that's the thing is you can be on the margins and you can say, God damn it. I want to be a part of the mainstream and I'm bitter because nobody will let me in. Or you can say, I'm on the margins and it's fine over here. 
You know, I, I think part of the reason that, you know, maybe guys like you and I and our friend that we're talking about aren't, this is going to sound way worse than I mean it to be, but aren't as, you know, uh, Hollywood famous as we might be. Because we never played the game right. Like, if I, as soon as I got into, let, I mean, let's just take Second City, for example. <clears throat> I did a lot with Second City. I, was, I loved Second City. I wanted, to be, I wanted to do that shit. And then I got into it, and I started to see all the weird clickiness and the just the, the, the grossness that's, that surrounded all of it. The, the high school. The high the school high bullshit. School bullshit. Um, and I didn't want to be a part of that. It was like, well, I, I'm fucking, I'm not going to. So I, so I stopped being a part of it. And for its own way, I lost my and the, I lost my Hollywood moment, uh, and I'll tell you exactly when I lost my Hollywood. I, I remember it like the, the moment I went. I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna do things that everybody else is a part of or is acceptable to everybody else because right. of this. Right. And it happened. I, I was probably I think I was like ten years old, and Music Theater of Wichita, Kansas. Um, was having auditions for The Sound of Music. And I, mom, mom was like, do you want to audition? I said, yeah, that sounds like that would be fun. So we go out and we audition. And I'm like right up there in the top. Um, you know, I've been called back like three times that day. It was sort of a cattle call kind of thing. How old are you here? And like 10 years old. Oh, okay. And, the, and, and literally the reason that, that they did not cast me in the show was because I did not have blonde hair, which mm. when I go, you know, like as an adult, I can go, okay, that, that actually completely makes sense because that's kind of the story. They're all a bunch of blonde kids. It doesn't. However, Zach Morris well, I mean, had black hair and they dyed his well, hair blonde. Well, I know, but it just kind of okay. made sense for me. Well, yeah, but music theater, Wichita is not going to say you get a blonde, you know, sure, dye your right. hair blonde. <laughs> but whatever, I went, Hollywood I was so, I was so frustrated and I remember just kind of thinking, I don't want to be a part of the mainstream uh, ever again, which is, a really good indication. You look at like WNEP and all the shows we did. Right. We could have done with the talent that we had. I mean, Jason Sudeikis was a part of our shows, and David Dasmalchin was a part mm -hmm. of our shows, mm -hmm. and you know we had a lot of really amazingly talented people. But we intentionally did really non-commercial shit. Yeah. Because it was more fun. It wasn't about making money. It was about, I mean, there were some people that came into the company where it became like, I want to make money and this isn't yeah. for me. And that's fine. But I my just, goal was always, I just wanted to do something that nobody else was doing, which is what WNP actually right. ultimately stood for, is what no one else produces. We did shit that nobody else did mm -hmm. because that was what was fun. And that was what was artistically satisfying. And not everybody's going to follow that line. We talked about this last week. The people yeah. that want to do it are hacks. And that's okay. Own I it. deal with the hypocrisy with of the bullshit that nobody was self-aware enough to realize how catty and shitty and stupid they were being. And how exclusive they were being in their cattiness, in their shittiness, in their high schoolness. And I was like, I just, I don't want to be a fucking part of this. It's, I yeah, could play the yeah. game. I could easily, easily play the game. Oh yeah, you're better at it and than I'm, I am by a long shot. And I'm shot. not saying that like, that the reason I'm not a big star in SNL right now is because I saw the bullshit at Second City in Chicago 20 years ago and I did, no, that's fucking stupid. Like, let's be serious here. But I stopped trying that, yeah, yeah, that avenue yeah, that, 
because the thing I was like, is, fuck I, all of this. This I'm is not, not a, worth I'm it I'm not a Hollywood star because I wouldn't be good at it. I'm not good at it. That's not where my talents yeah. lay. That's, that's not, that's not, it, 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 and, and, and in tandem, I, I didn't try. You know, it was like, yeah. I, I don't have the look. I don't have the, you know, I'm not going to play along with everybody. I, you know, it's like, if I were famous, I'd be the, I'd be the Christian Bale that fucking fights for his own bullshit. Right. Um, maybe, maybe not as good, you know, and he was a kid and he was brilliant when he was a child. So I was not brilliant despite my almost getting into the sound of music, music theater, Wichita. It's, it's funny to, to use our friend as an, as an example, because he really is like, this is how, um, the shoddy progressivism of today is unaccepting and kind of mean sometimes in the way they deliver. You can reject his shit all the t- all day long because he's a white male and you get whatever. Do that, but there's got to be a better. It's not what you say; it's how you say it. Yeah. And I think that they would have, you know, it wouldn't have hurt as bad if he wasn't getting the repetitive because of shit you cannot control. I'm not talking about your merit. Not talking about your talent. Not talking about anything. We're only talking about the shit that came out of your but mother's vagina. The thing is, honestly, you know? wouldn't it be? It wouldn't it be bad. This is the thing, and I, I think it's interesting you bring this up because a sudden thought that popped into my head is if if it were just, and this is part of the problem I have with uh, modern progressivism and sort of the censorship of some of that overt discrimination is, I mean, wouldn't it be better if you are a twenty-four-year-old black guy and you're trying to get a job in a bank? Wouldn't it be better for you as a person if the guy hiring says, we're not going to hire you because you don't speak proper English and you and your clothes are bad or your and your hair's Jesus. crazy? I mean, the thing is, the yeah. thing about it is, yeah, that's a rotten reason. But the bottom line is that's more honest. And then at least at least that black man who who knows he didn't get hired by the bank knows if he wants to get hired by the bank, what he's got to do do. to get hired by the bank. And so I don't mind being told, I mean, it's like if if somebody does, because I've had, I've actually had pieces uh, rejected and along the lines of it's a bit too profane, Mm. you know, because I, I, you know, I, you know, it's a bit too profane. So you you can go back and cut out a few. So my choice. So that's, I mean, that is, they they give me the choice. They've given me honest feedback. So Mm -hmm. then I can, I can yeah. say, all right, well, if I want them to publish it, then what I have to do is go in and pull the profanity. Or I can say, no, I'd rather have somebody else publish it that doesn't mind the profanity. And I, I just wish in our, in our, in our, in our, I, you know, there's litigation, there's, there's all this kind of stuff that, that we've gotten away from just calling, and I, and, and I will say this. I'm going to say it. You know what I mean? I, yep. Call a spade a spade. And I'm not talking about black. I'm just using euphemism. But the fact is, say what it is. Be yeah. honest. We, we've stopped being honest because we're so afraid of being honest. Just be honest and say what it is. If you don't want to hire someone for your deli who is well, but- 400 pounds overweight, say... You're a fatty and I can't hire you because nobody's going to come in here because you can't move around and bend down and pick shit up. Or, I mean, whether well, the, that's the, the reason. The problem with that. Be honest. Be honest. No, yes, but the problem with that honesty is when it, when there is the reason, the honest reason is because of things that you cannot control. You cannot change your race, your age, I, exactly. or your gender. 
And then, and, but see, then, then just so what like do you the, do with just, that? Well, just like the diners in the fifties where it was like whites only. Yeah. I mean, at least they were honest. I, I, I don't agree with that, but at least they were honest. And because they were honest, but you can go how... in, you can go in with governmental in, in, and say, you have to let everyone in or we're putting you out of business. That is a response to honesty, which is why we don't have honesty is because nobody wants to say what they mean anymore. And that I think that's a really sad place okay, so to, I see, have, okay, to have so that I see much what, ignorance. I see what this is. Yeah. So you're saying it is not up to the person delivering the honest news as, as, as uh, constructive or unconstructive as it may be. It's up to the person receiving it Make to a determine choice and what, determine to do, what to do with it. To determine what to so, okay, do with it. So, so our if friend, you go with, our friend has made the wrong yeah. choice, and he's gotten angry, and he has felt and, and he has felt marginalized. And I get that he has been marginalized by this group in his and own way. That. Yeah, yeah. And he sure. has tried because he tried to play the Upper East Coast, you know, the elite MFA fucking game. You know, he is an elite intellectual. His whole yeah. family is. That's their gig. There's money. But he still right. feels like an outcast, and so we had some topics, but we're going to move to a different one. Um, and I know you read uh, David Brooks in the Atlantic, how the Bobos broke America, and I think yeah. I think we're kind of we're kind of getting into that uh, that conversation yeah. as we talk about our friend. Um, and I'm not the thing is I think David Brooks is a fine mind. I think he's a little bit too uh, conservative for my taste. On a regular basis, I think he's a good balance, um, but I yeah, I actually don't think he's a good balance. I I think he's too conservative for my taste. Reading David Brooks, but reasonable conservative, not a crazy conservative. Reasonable, yeah, not a crazy anchored in yeah, reality yeah. conservative. Yeah, and so yeah. and you know, and my taste, my tastes generally run more liberal. However, this is a really good piece. He defines what's uh, I got to find the definition of bobos. The I got it. Okay, he says. A he member says, of a social it. class of well-to-do professionals who espouse bohemian values and lead bourgeois lives. Yeah, the bourgeois bohemians, the bobos. Yeah. They tend to have progressive values and metropolitan tastes. The bobos go out of their way to shock them with nativism, nationalism, and a willful lack of tact. Bobor leaders span the Western world... Uh, Trump in the U.S., Boris Johnson, and those are the opposite of the Bobos. Um, but there is this whole, I mean, it's, the whole article talks about you. Um, and for that matter, uh, our friend, which is well, this, 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 well, this, I love, well, I love the way he kind of breaks it down. It's like, this is a whole class of people um, who are highly educated, who have money and, and, and know they have money. Um, tend to go with progressive values, mm -hmm. but uh, still somehow think, despite their capitalism, despite their mm -hmm. embrace of capitalism, still think that they're one of the different ones that Steve Jobs talks about <laughs> in the Apple thing. That they're they're yeah. the different ones, and the reality is they are the most mainstream Americans yeah. possible because they're 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 engaged in capitalism in a in a way that is probably unnecessarily. Uh, robust. They are highly, highly educated and paid good money for that fucking education. And like uh, most of mainstream America that is like in the higher echelon, they think they're smarter than fucking everybody else and know better than everybody. 
and yet still find mm-hmm. themselves to call themselves nonconformist, which is which not is horse true. Shit. Right. It's so horseshit. It's, it's a really interesting article. So here's the thing with that article. So as I was reading it, you know, I was like, oh my God, I'm one of these people. Because based on the definition alone, yeah. member of social class, well-to-do professionals, which let's be honest, I am. We know how much money I make. I'm a professional. Not, I'm not a laborer. We know that. Although I fantasize about being a laborer, doesn't matter. I espouse yeah, Bohemian like values, which I do. Like, let's get into the weird shit. Be local. Let's travel. Find adventure. Have no fucking home, and uh-huh. lead bourgeois lives. I absolutely. And yet, do. I you, have a, and yet you bought a house. There are four for be- a half four a million dollars. House, yeah, a half a million yes. dollars you spent on yep. that house. I got two cars. I got a two car garage. I got yeah. a sailboat in Monroe Harbor. My kid is in fucking daycare. I'm wearing a four hundred dollar watch on my wrist. Yeah, yeah. Are like, you really? Yeah, I, it was a special treat for myself on the anniversary of um, working. You at AJ. bought a four hundred dollar watch. See, at this point, now I go, I become my wife and go, "What the fuck? You know I, many watches you could buy for four hundred dollars?" I do. Um, my all the of all the other watches I bought, I could buy four of those because I spend like maybe a hundred bucks on the other all right. watches. I, I mean, maybe. I don't want to bust your balls about your no, watch. No, no, but, like, but here's the thing: when you said what? it, I was like, "What no, the but, fuck?" But Don, here I'm this wearing. Is, this is perhaps I'm wearing a good example. Two, I'm wearing two bracelets that probably collectively cost less than twelve bucks. I mean, but I, I bought the. I hemmed and we could talk to Frank Lydon about this because I t- hemmed and hawed on buying this watch for like weeks with him, or maybe it was just one night or something. I don't know. But I was like, it's a lot of money, but it's also it's not like I'm spending a thousand dollars on the watch, or even five hundred. You know, I bought it as it was seriously like I was coming up my what a anniversary hair split. Okay, I yeah. was wor- coming up my anniversary of working at AJ. I saw this watch like in an ad somewhere. I was like, oh my God, that thing is beautiful. Like I just fell in love with it. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to treat myself. I, I had, it was a weird you year, 2020. Reminds, I, I, got sort of, a, you know, I just had a flashback. I, I had a flashback. <laughs> and I, again, I don't want to bust your nuts, but one of the things when I was dating Alice uh, and, and, and those that are listening that don't know who Alice was, Alice was, she was a, uh, a Korean woman. I lived with her off and on for four years, broke up with her, what, three times? You know, it was, yeah, it was all that kind of stuff. And one of the things I thought was really interesting was that Alice was, uh, she was from, I mean, she, she really owned, she worked with death row inmates. She really owned the woman of color marginalized thing, um, which would have been fine, except for the fact that her parents were surgeons and she was a cheerleader at Buffalo Grove High School. She was in, came from incredible wealth. And so so she had all of this money. You know, on one hand she had all of this money and on the other hand she had these very conservative or these very progressive sort of uh values. And one of the things I always thought was funny is that she would she dated in between um, the two things is like when we broke up the first time she started dating one of her former death row inmates and she broke up with him because he I mean he got out of prison and got a lot of money because it was a wrongful you know, incarceration mm-hmm. yeah. he got all yeah. this money and so he started buying clothes well this guy had been in the can <laughs> this guy had been yeah. in the can since he was in the 80s right yeah. so of course his fashion sense was maybe a little bit retro and so he's buying like purple suits love and it she felt like it, and, and her comment was i had to break up with him because he just was so ghetto 
And I thought, okay, wait a minute. This is the progressive woman yeah. with a lot of money. Right. And so then, and then you know, so then I kind of let that set for a while. But then one of the things I thought was interesting is I remember we went to, I can't, it was Macy's downtown. Maybe it was when it was Marshall Fields, whatever it was. Um, and we go in and she's like, I want to go boot shopping. Now, she looked real good in fucking boots, like thigh high boots. God yeah. damn it. That shit was hot. I'm a sucker for girls in boots, man. But she comes in and she says, so are you going to buy me boots? I'm working at WBEZ. I'm, I'm in a non-profit. I'm not making tons of fucking cash. And I said, well, let's see. Because I'm not stupid. Because I know if I say I will, I'm fucking stuck, right? Or also feminism. You make money. Well, you been, want boots. Buy your own I, well, fucking I've been boots. dating this woman long enough to know that, uh, that if I say, I said, well, we'll see. Yeah. And she picks out a pair of $700 boots. And I'm thinking, and I looked at, and that's the thing is, and I looked at her and I said, where are you going to wear those? Mm. And she said, well, we've got a a benefit to raise money for the homeless in two weeks. Oh. And and, And there was just this moment where I went, I don't even know if you see, I don't know if you're self aware enough to see what you just did, but I, right. I've I've never forgot it. So when I hear you, <laughs> the irony of that. when I hear David Himmel, and I love you like a brother, but when I hear you talk about causes and homeless and feed the hungry and all that stuff, and you have a four hundred dollar watch, it's that that's that doesn't square for me. I, I get that, and I, and I also threw that out there because to admit, like I have my issues now to def- loosely defend this watch thing. Again, this is not an expensive watch. Like there are watches that are thousands David, of dollars. David, a four hundred dollar we- watch is a ridiculously overpriced watch. I wear this thing every day. It keeps great time. It's I can you dive know what? With it. So does swim with so it. does a seven dollar watch. It creeps just as much time. So does your phone. I, I don't have a watch because I have a uh, fucking thousand dollar phone that I bought. But there's a reason I wear a wristwatch versus. The thing in the pocket, because I had a pocket watch for a number of years. In fact, when I started wearing a wristwatch again, my dad looked at me and was like, are you okay? Who are you? Because it was such, like, the, the pocket watch was a, a, became an identity thing. Anyway, my point is, so like, I am kind of a bobo, but I try really hard to be self-aware. Like, I'm self-aware of it. And yeah, that's a difference. The difference between you and what, what David Brooks really described as bobos is... And I don't know if this makes you better or worse, really, when you think about it. Well. Is that you're a bobo, but you, you're very conscious of that. And I try to you counteract know that for is it. The I case. try to, to right the yeah. ship. Like, I try to, I, you know, I might spend 400 bucks on a watch once in X number, you know, once in my life. I, I may never do it again. Like, this watch, I hope last, I literally bought this watch thinking this will be the thing that, like, my grandkids fight over. That's, you know, like, this is the watch. That's it. Um, you know, I do plenty, and I can always do more. But like, yeah. I'm not. A, I'm not selfish with my money for charitable causes. I'm not. And you're not. And more importantly than your money, because that's really the least important. And you're not selfish with your time. Um, and I think that's you know. So I, I, you know, I'll give you a little. I'll give you a little bit of a break. Yeah, like but I'm you not, still. But you still bought a fucking four hundred dollar yes. watch, and you have two cars, and you have a half a million dollar home. So. You got to well, own the Bobo. Own the fucking Bobo. Don't try to right. apologize for it. It's, you know, just own I, it. I, 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 and I am. Your wife is I, in real estate. You well, are a Bobo, the man. There's the thing, is that I feel like my wife is way more the, 
like if if we could divide, and this is the problem with America right now, is if, that we we take, if we can divide the bobos, divide the bobos. Let's keep let's keep <laughs> let's keep separating the groups, so none of us like each other. So nobody. So it's all just individuals hating other individuals. We're so broken up. But I think you know she. We got into a thing the other day about something so fucking asinine and stupid. I couldn't even remember the details around it. But it was basically like she was calling me out for not being. Um, eh, let's just shorten it. This, shorten this up for not being woke enough. I, I guess it was stupid. It was over lunch on a work. It was fucking dumb. But I think that she is far more Bobo in the bad sense than I am Bobo in the bad sense because she loves capitalism. Like she hates it, but she loves working for it. Like she loves. She does not give shit away for free. Like she wanted when my dad. Oh God! She this wants is to make fucking, the money, man. This she, is. Hang on, just listen to what I'm about to fucking say because this is ridiculous. Oh no! <laughs> oh, no. When, when my dad. Oh no, man! Christ! <laughs> this is fucking. This is when my dad came to her. When when dad bought the new boat, the smaller boat because the. The Sunspot 2 that he had is too big for the retirement tour he wants to do on the Great Loop. He bought a new oh boat. Oh, my God. Slightly smaller. Still a big fucking 27-foot fucking boat that sleeps like six. <clears throat> he came to Katie and was like, will you design the, the name, you know, the name for the boat? And she was seriously considering charging family to do this, which like, yeah, it's work and your work has value. I 100% accept that. But Jesus Christ, lady, like this is your father-in-law. Like this is your your son's grand, like boat. Like your son may have this boat one day. Like it's family. It'll take you all of fucking 20 minutes. Just fucking do it. Stop. Um, so she's that, like she does not give her value no, away see, and, for free and I would argue, at all and I would, for anyone. Here's the thing. I would argue that it's not that she's cheap <laughs> or she's money grubbing. I would, I would argue, I, I would argue, and this is me. No, I don't know. You know, I, I certainly don't know Katie as well as you do, uh, but I think I know Katie pretty well. And I would, <laughs> and might, I, I would argue. I don't pay much attention. <laughs> yeah, I would argue that that wasn't her thinking about making money. It's that she does not see herself as a bobo. And sees your father as one of the 1%. And if she sees that, well, I'm going to stick it to the man. When she doesn't realize that she's the man too. She's just as much the man as your father is. 100%. And yeah, she comes and from, so she doesn't see herself that, she that comes way. From it. She is... Yeah, exactly. She, she doesn't totally see bohemian. herself as yeah. part of it. And, she well, is this totally is one of the, bohemian. And guess what? The, guess who's got a fucking Peloton in their office? There you go. Home? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I want to read a little bit more. Um, David Brooks. Yet wokeness is not just a social philosophy, but an elite status marker, a strategy for personal advancement. You have to possess copious amounts of cultural capital to feel comfortable using words like intersectionality, heteronormativity, cisgender, problematize, triggering, and Latinx. Mm -hmm. By navigating a fluid, progressive cultural frontier more skillfully than their hapless boomer bosses, and by calling out the privilege and moral failings of those above them, young, educated elites seek power within elite institutions. Wokeness becomes a way to intimidate boomer administrators and wrest 
power from them. And then he goes on to say, on the lowest rung of the blue ladder is the caring class, the largest in America, nearly half of all workers by some measures, and one that in most respects sits quite far from the three above it. It consists of low-paid members of the service sectors, manicurists, home health workers, restaurant servers, sales clerk, hotel employees. Members of this class are disadvantaged in every way. The gap in life expectancy between those in the top 40% and those in the bottom 40% widened from 1980 to 2010 from five to 12 years for men and from 4 to 13 years for women. Mm -hmm. Only 1 in 100 of the children raised in the poorest fifth of households will become rich enough to join the top 5%. And the interesting yeah. thing, I think, this is, and, this is, and, and this is the thing, as I read that, two things occurred to me. Is number one, um, I'm in that bottom 40%. I yeah. mean, I am. Yeah. Financially, I'm in the bottom 40%. And yeah. yet, when I read that, it sounds way more dire mm. than where I'm at. Because the thing about it You're is, fine. I mean, yeah, we're. I mean, the thing well, about it is, we were I'm joking. not killing it. I'm not. Yeah, we were making a. You we made a joke joking about that there yeah. was that guy on the on the airplane on the frontier airplane, that 22 year old who was fucking drunk out of his mind, and he apparently, oh, God, uh, you know, a, a allegedly grabbed the breasts of uh, one of the, the no, flight he attendants. No, he did. He didn't allegedly do shit. He I'm, did. I'm only saying allegedly because legally, because he hasn't been proven. Yeah, well, he's he was arrested a for it. But yes, he, he grabs some, the, the breasts of a flight attendant, and they and then he flipped out, and he's screaming. There's, there's video footage of him screaming on the plane, fuck this! Do you know who my fucking parents are? They're worth more than $2 million, and my grandfather's a lawyer. And they ended up, the flight attendants ended up duct-taping him to his oh, yeah. seat, which and is better than I thought he deserved. There are people like, well, that's not fair. That's not how we do things. And it's like, no, it's not how you normally should do things. But in that situation, fucking wing that yes, motherfucker. I'm with you. In that situation, sometimes you sometimes you got people that require you to break protocol and yeah. duct tape their ass to their fucking seat because they're being yeah. insane. But I was joking, like this fucking guy. To me, like this is how fucking warped I look at. The financial system in America and American capitalism, like one, I, I I don't want Harry to grow up in the the bullshit you know generational wealth meritocracy crap that is America right now. But I also know that that's what it is, and I have that, and we kind of have to get like the only reason we own this fucking half a million dollar house is because my grandparents loaned me money. Yeah. To, for my house, this is Vegas it's money house. You, or Vegas it's house gen, money, it's, rather. It's, it's generational, generational yeah. wealth. Yeah, it's and generational that's not a wealth. bad thing, and I shouldn't apologize for that. But like, I'm aware of it, and I should do good with it. And I'm trying. So, but the point is, like, it just feels like my parents are worth more than two million dollars. I think I said to you like that's not a thing to be proud because it doesn't feel like two million dollars is that much. Like what did I say? Yeah, like you that, said in America is, that's is a living wage. Is <laughs> a living wage in America? And my response was forty thousand dollars is a living wage. Yes. And you went, no, okay, I'm kidding, because the, the fact is you can live you can live you can. very fun. You can live well. Do we? I mean, Dana and I live in a one bedroom apartment, and the joke is it's like a bunker because it's small, but it's not that small. Totally comfortable. Yeah. We have everything we need. Yeah. We have a pool. Um, we live in a little gated area, so our car is predominantly safe. We yeah. have a car we're paying for that's fairly new. Yep. We, well, I mean, it's 2015, but you know, the thing no, is, yeah, you're good. we do fine. Yeah. We, we, we can travel. We can do what we got to do. We eat. All our bills are paid. Not bad. Yep. 
you know, and and you know, and so when I read that 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 I am, you know, looking at the numbers, that Danny and I are absolutely in the bottom forty percent, and you are definitely in the top forty percent, not the top. I'm, I'm, I'm probably like I'm probably like the best of JV. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you I'm know, sure and, I'm and, not but varsity. It, the thing about yeah. it is, we're all doing just fine. Yeah, and and I think there's a whole lot of uh, there's a whole lot of bitching about stuff that is really more. It's it's just unnecessarily. It's unnecessary. You know, well, it's, it's like we it's bring funny we, too. Because I, I could make more money. The thing is, I could make more money if I wanted to yeah. doing something I didn't like. Right. But I've made a choice, especially uh, in my 50s, that I'm not going to do something that I right. don't like for money because I've never really done many things. I was a public school teacher. Yeah. I ran an off-loop theater for 10 years. I worked for public radio. Nothing I have ever done in my lifetime has been like, hey, I'd like to make a whole lot of You've, money and leverage myself, and I'm not going right. to do that. That's never been my thing. And I, like, I'm i there with, like, I've never seized a job because it, because it was money. Like, I, I make good money where I'm at now, and I love yeah. my job. And but you I love your job, and that's, wh- that's why and you I, do it. I that's took the wonderful. job because it was all the things I wanted to do in one place, and, and the money was a very close second of, this is fucking great. Because yeah, I asked yeah, for yeah. a shitload up front, and I took a lot less. And that was because I was like, fuck it. I gave a big number just yeah. to see what happens. But, like, I'm totally – and I make per, I make more than enough money. Like, I'm – I'm fine. Um, yeah, you guys are doing great. I'd be happy to make more because why not? Well, but, who wouldn't? You know. Yeah. But the thing but is, like, but when I'm you fine. say more, when you say more, it's like yeah, four times what my more would be. Yeah. But you the thing I mean? is, like, I, 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 I really, really, legitimately love my job. I love what I'm doing. I love where I work. I love the people I and work with. And you're fucking good at it. And I, th- I think I'm good at it. And I think I'm getting no, you better are good at, at it. it. They yeah. wouldn't keep you around. Yeah, they yeah, wouldn't keep I mean, you around yeah. if you weren't good at it. Thank you. Yeah. That's a good point, um, especially through the pandemic. Like when it's like, oh, exactly, you know, if, get out of here. If you yeah. weren't good, at, if you weren't good at what you do, um, then they could have very, very easily found a reason to get yeah. rid of you and and yeah. and suddenly save themselves a, a ton of cash. Yeah, but they didn't. They, they said I've, you're worth it. So I have always. I mean, I, it took me a long time. I I took a jump from this money because I did not follow the money. Katie has always followed the money. Other girlfriends I've had have always followed the money. I've never done that. And it bothers me still. Like, again, love my job, love what I do, legitimately. Uh, but I've also always wanted to be a fucking trash collector or a plumber yeah. or a construction well, worker. Thing, because I love, like, I, always... I love the idea of labor and there's value to it. The things that I, I do... I like creating things. Yeah, I, I set up things for people to either, like if I'm writing or this podcast, for people to enjoy in their leisure time. Which is a exactly. which is which is a service to a degree. Which is fun, yeah. Um, but my day job, you know, like I'm, we've got a, f- a big pharma client. I, I get big pharma money that that helped pay for this fucking house and what you know. What I do though, is I'm not out there selling the shit, but I empower. Right, and I'm, them this to is, sell the shit. I empower them. It's I get a- them excited about their work. So I'm doing this like I'm connected to the grossness of America. Um, but also in, in like, in, and I'm talking about the grossness of like just the general capitalism, sale, sale, sell, you know, make money, rack, rack it up. Um, but also the, it takes a while to connect what I do to the tangibility of, of actual value. 
it's, it's like a six, seven degree separation. Well, we don't and live in a, a society that gives but, a lot of value. You know, it's, right. it's, we're, we're all right. basically the secretary for Hitler. I mean, all of us are. Um, you know, we're all basically, <laughs> that's, what we're, that's, that's what we're doing. You know, we do, we're not killing Jews, but we are filling out the paperwork that allows the Jews to be killed. And that's kind of what we all are. Oh and that's, what capital, that's what capitalism basically is. And, uh, and, and in this market, in this world, you're either working at the bottom rung um, serving assholes who are the secretaries for Hitler, or you're the secretary for Hitler. There's, yeah. or you're Hitler. I mean, those are your choices. Well, and it's it's this. You know, there's there's a great line that comes up. I think in, a couple times in the first season of Ted Lasso, where I can't remember her the character's name. Um, she's the the girlfriend who becomes the marketing director, and she says um, like, yeah, "Oh, yeah. you get you get paid to play a game," and that's like I remember when I was in radio. It was my my first job out of college, my first real job. I was working in radio. And people would get so bent out of shape about whatever stress was happening in radio. And my program director would say, it's just radio. Like, we get paid to talk yeah. on the fucking radio to millions, hundreds of thousands, whatever, like, whatever the, your shit Whatever was, it is, yeah. To a shitload of people every day, listen to great music, and just have fun. That's our job. Which is part of the reason that I was, like, fine to make absolute shit money because I was having the time of my fucking life. And that's all I ever want to do. Yeah. I want to have the fun. I want to have the fun, make enough money to, to pay the bills and not feel like that stress of like, uh, I'm going to get evicted and live my life. And, you know, yeah. and that's a choice I've made. That's a choice I've made. Um, and, you know, you've made you've made a similar choice. It's just you have you, you, you come from the thing. About I just it is, I had a boat. I have a boat. The thing is, like, you come from <laughs> you come from a wealthy family, yeah. and so your bottom sort of like your bottom line of comfort is is a different is a different level than me. Although I can say that Jeff Bezos laying on his couch is no more fucking comfortable than me laying on my gay bed. So I'm no. good. And you know, I know you lived in your truck for a while. I've I've yeah on, on Chicago streets, and I've I have slept in my car in Chicago streets because sure I had no quote-unquote place to go because i didn't want to go to my daddy's house yeah there you go you know but you could you know but i but i always could yep self-awareness all right simeon cohort here's don and david with the six things you should do for the week my first thing this week is a read um it's it's in the atlantic we've been talking about it it's by david brooks how the bobos broke america give that a read that is that's my first thing as yeah. well, so we can get right through it. Uh, yeah. Highly recommended, and interestingly enough, recommended to us by our friend. By our friend, yeah. Who I think yeah. sent it as like a, hey, you he fucking dick. Check this yeah. out. This is you. You but, broke America. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't, I didn't break America because I'm, I'm on the lower 40%. He but, was really directing it at you. But I also don't think that I am. I'm parts of what, this, what, what Brooks is talking about, but I'm not. The problem, and I think it's because of I have at least enough self awareness to yeah. try and be above. This shit is totally my wife, though. Oh, there you go. <laughs> my second thing is a watch. I'm sticking with it. Uh, Ted Lasso season two. It's happening. I love what um, what is happening is where the first season was getting to know everybody and seeing how this weird thing is going to play out, and Ted's. Uh, spoiler alert, uh, separation and divorce from his wife. 
Ted always had like he, he was confident in his role as a coach. This season is challenging his role and his ability to be the effective um, warm fuzzy that he that he is. And it's yeah. really like the 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 antagonist of the of the season is doing really 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 well, she great says, things. how good are you are you good are you a good coach she says yes well i'm 10 I'm times, ten as, times good as, as good as you are my yep. job yep oh fuck yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and it's All great right. and and like and i recommend it. it's, it's it's wonderful to see that yep. it's such a great show yeah my second thing is sort of a cheat it's a double thing um i want you to read in avclub.com av club dave desmulchin on the suicide squad unprecedented dune and more <laughs> Um, I, what, I'm, it's, what, what is it called again? It's called Dave Desmulchin on the Suicide Squad Unprecedented Dune and More. It's an interview in AV, AV Club. Uh, what I loved about it is, first of all, I love Dave. Uh, I used to work with him a long, long time ago, and I'm, I'm always thrilled to see him doing a, a really good job and, and succeeding on that level. Um, but uh, he also gives WNEP a shout-out. In oh, nice. This, in this interview, which is kind of nice. Uh, and then the second thing I want you to do is watch Suicide Squad because it's fucking rad. Here's what I don't understand it's about this. It's fucking rad. Didn't they just I loved do it. one? What? Didn't Suicide Squad just come out like five years oh, ago? Oh, no, this was like five years ago. David Ayers uh, did a version of it that got butchered by... It really got butchered uh, because what happened was they came out, he came out, he made a movie... And uh, the executives came in and started recutting it because uh, they realized it was too dark. So they tried to make it funnier and add a whole lot of pop music, just like, I don't know, Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. And, uh, and so that movie did not do very well. Um, Are you saying Guardians I mean, of the Galaxy was a bad movie or they were trying to make it like No, Guardians it was a great was a movie. Great, okay, it was good, a hugely okay. yeah. successful, fun, and outstanding movie. Yeah. And when he made Suicide Squad, it was much darker. And that was when Warner Brothers was like, we can't go the Zack Snyder dark shit anymore. we got to try yeah, to replicate everything Marvel. Marvel's yeah. doing. And they fucked it up. And poor David Ayers, well, James Gunn directed this one and he was the guy that directed Guardians of the Galaxy. This is not a sequel. Right, yeah. It is uh, the but first a- one's called Suicide Squad. This is called The Suicide Squad. It oh, has a good, couple okay. of crossover. Margot Robbie is still there. Harley yeah. Quinn and Amanda Waller still there. And uh, I didn't see the uh, first. I didn't see Suicide Squad. And I, I maybe I'll watch The Suicide Squad. I don't know. No, no, you, you absolutely. I'm, I'm telling you, I watched it. You absolutely should watch. The I never Suicide cared Squad. about the DC comics that much, though. No, so it, it, it's, it doesn't really. It, there, right. There's literally one Superman reference, but it is. It's basically, and it's one of the things I thought was really interesting because I, I read it in. I read a review of Suicide Squad. They said, "Have superhero movies now become irrelevant because this is basically the Dirty Dozen." I mean, that's really okay, what this yeah. movie is. It's the Dirty Dozen. It's like, you know, and what I think is brilliant is, that, and Kevin Feige, I give him full credit for this, is that there is no such thing as a superhero movie anymore. Mm. Is now there are genre movies with superheroes in them. Mm-hmm. If you look mm-hmm. at, you know, if you look at uh, Captain America, Winter Soldier, that is a spy a espionage spy thriller. thriller. Yep. yep. You know, um, you and you know, and so they're play the the Ant Man movies are farces, you know, mm-hmm. and and so <coughs> totally. so yep. read yep. read Dave Dismulchin on the Suicide yeah. Squad, watch Suicide the Suicide Squad. Um, all right, so my <coughs> one 
what am I, my, my third thing? Third, yeah. third thing. Um, so speaking of, of reboots or, or whatever, um, I know I'm late to the game on this. Uh, and I don't know why it takes me so long to watch this movie because it is fucking incredible. From start to finish, Ghostbusters 2016... I mean, Leslie Jones. So I didn't like it. I can't. I'm fucking kidding. That movie was shit. Uh, that's not totally okay. not one of my third things. Um, okay, good. Because I didn't like that film. <laughs> what if that was my thing? What if I was like, no, this is the greatest piece of cinematic. Then, then we would uh, have yeah. to have an old episode, and we'd It'd have a, to talk about why why you think that and why I disagree. And oh, it has see, if you said that to me, nothing to do with feminism. It has nothing to do with women in it. If you said that it's to me that it's writing. the greatest movie, I would be like, okay, Don has a tumor in his brain. This is clearly a problem. Yeah, no, I no, never argue. It's a shit it. movie for no other reason. It's a shit movie. No, um, no. My, my my third thing this week is another read in the Atlantic. Um, the anti-vaccine. This is by Brooke Harrington. The yes. anti-vaccine con job is becoming untenable. Why targets of deliberate deception often hesitate to admit they've been deceived. And basically what this is saying is, I think it's it's more than the anti-vaccine people. So th- she gives this example of how people that were so anti-vax are getting it now, but they're like, can you take me to a private room? Please yeah. don't make people see this. I don't want people to see me getting this Well, It's this a vaccine. tribal thing. It's a tribal, sociological it's sort hard of thing. To ad- yeah. It's always hard to admit you're wrong. It's hard to admit you're wrong when you've been duped. That's what this article is about. And I think yeah, it, it, yeah. It, 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 she doesn't address it here, but I think it, it does bleed into why a lot of people who were like pro-Trump 2016, be, you know, for whatever their reasons were in 2016 of, I don't like Hillary, I like his tax plan, he didn't really have one, but you know, whatever it was. And then as shit got worse and worse and worse over the next four years, they were like, no, I'm still pro-Trump because they couldn't admit that he was a fucking failure. Well, them, and the know, other like, thing I think they, is, they, and, they and she points, she points it out in the article. She doesn't go this far, but uh, one of the things I got from that article was uh, sort of the sort of the the idea. And we're talking about Second City and how everything was sort of high school. Mm. It really means that 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 high school has infected. We've never, as a country, as a nation, we have not gotten past high school because it's all clicks and not going against your click. Right. Even if even when you know. As the jock, you're not supposed to beat up on the fucking nerd. Even when you're the jock that says, I don't think I should do it, you're probably going to do it. And it's because you're a part of that crowd. Which yeah. re- which brings me to my number three. Um, it's HBO Max. It's a documentary. It's called Woodstock 99. And it is a documentary <laughs> of Woodstock 99. And it is a shit show. I'd forgotten entirely about this. But it is first. first of all, it's worth it to watch sort of the unfurling of these horrible, horrible uh, bros. But one of the things I thought was interesting, I've got one guy, <laughs> it's just fucked up. It's really interesting. It's really good. But what's really interesting about it There was to another me, Woodstock before then. What, it was 69. Woodstock 94. There was 69, 94, then there was 94. Was, right, 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 and then right. they did With 99. The and 99 and that, yeah. was, it just ended up three days and then shit. I forgot they lit yeah, things I forgot on about fire. And just, yeah. Oh yeah, it was ridiculous. It's a really good documentary, but... One of the things that I thought was really interesting, and along the lines of the the Atlantic article you were talking about, is they've got this one guy who was who's probably a little older than you. He was there, and and, and they and they're interviewing him, and he's sort of like, yeah, when I got there, he was just like a regular kid. He just wanted to hear the bands. He really liked Limp Biscuit. That's unfortunate. Yeah. 
Well, you know, it, yeah, yeah, but you, do? you know, it's like you get a, everybody's got their thing they like, and uh, <laughs> and so and so he's there, but then by the time, and totally benign guy, this guy looks like you, but bald, you know, I mean, he's yeah. just he does not look like a bro, yeah, and by the time he got to Sunday, he was joining in and burning shit and stealing stuff and throwing shit, and and you watch him in this interview because it's over the course of the documentary, they're interviewing him. Where he's trying, he's smiling, but he's really trying to figure out how he became that person in three days. Because that's never Mm -hmm. been who he was before and never who he's been since. Mm -hmm. And how he became that mob monster. And and I think that's one of the things that we're talking about. We're talking about the Atlantic article is that that, that mob mob mentality is, is... it's very human to get sucked into it. Totally, yeah. And and it and it and sometimes it completely belies who you what your values are, who you are as a human being. Um, it's one of the things I put it in, and I believe uh, a couple weeks ago. It's like I believe that uh, that you know monster movies and disaster movies prove a lot of things, <laughs> but one of the things they prove is. When shit goes wrong, don't run with the mob because when you follow the mob, you're you're gonna get killed. Yeah, it's the people that hide and do not run with the mob that survive and become the heroes of the story. Mob, just buying into that mob thing is almost always yeah. the wrong choice. And so, so you Woodstock don't 99, think you don't think I should run with the bulls? In Pamplona for I my fiftieth birthday. I do not think you should do that, um, and I think you should watch Woodstock '99. That sounds a lot less cool, but but okay, okay. All right, good. I'm glad I convinced you. It was so hard to convince you there. Yeah, I'm I'm a pretty uh, stubborn person. It's true. For Bobo, you are definitely. I mean, I'm only stubborn uh, if you want me to be stubborn. Like you tell me, am I? Like, exactly. am I? Am I? I don't know. Do you like me? Yeah, I do. You should come out on my boat sometime. Never. Let's talk about how Black Lives Matter. You can listen to the Literate Apecast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any place you find your podcast, Jones. If you enjoy listening to Two White Guys Holding Court, review or share the show on your own platforms, or throw us a few bucks on Patreon. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com. <laughs>